This sermon comes from, uh, hopefully it's going to be a series, but uh, it's called, You've Got Questions, God's Got Answers. You've Got Questions, God's Got Answers. Amen. Amen. The purpose of it is that this, a lot of what I do is answering questions that people have, and sometimes I do it almost preemptively, like before the person's going to have the question, I've already kind of thought of it, so I try to throw it out there ahead of time. But the last few weeks have just been the number of people that have been like, you know, this bad thing has happened, that bad thing has happened, you know, people passing on, you know, heart surgeries, all kinds of things like that has really, it seems like it has been just super busy with people really struggling with the question of why do bad things happen? Why is this bad thing happening? Why is that bad thing happening? So the first question we're going to tackle is, why do bad things happen? I don't say, why does bad things happen to good people? Because if we're truly honest, bad things happen to everybody. Good people, bad people. Good things happen to good people, bad people. Bad things happen to good people, bad people. We all face things. I mean, that's one of the... If there was, if there was one thing that I'm like, sometimes when, I, and I'm, when I'm praying to God, I'm just like, God, I'm trusting you that you know what you're doing here, but there are times I do not get it, man. I'm just like, <sighs> this is not the way I would have, have, have approached this thing we call humanity. This is not, I mean, he, God is a, uh, God is definitely different than we are because yeah. I never would have thought the cross. I never would have thought to allow people to have free will like we do. Yet, uh, God has his ways, he has his methods, and he has his reasons for what he does. Uh, this I'm going to use a couple of illustrations to start out with, but the one thing I want to make sure that I always say anytime I address this is that God doesn't cause bad things to happen. God allows bad things to happen. We want to do things that will cause bad things to happen all the time. You might get away with something. You might do something that should have killed you. or something. I mean, I know a kid that used to play the game, the Russian roulette game, where you put your hand down and you take a knife and between your fingers back and forth and get faster. The fact that the one time he slipped, and I have no idea how he didn't cut his thumb off. Because he should have. <laughs> Everything is he should have. And he got done and he looked up. And I could see the fear in his eyes. Like, oh, wow. He, something bad should have happened there. But somehow it didn't. <laughs> somehow it didn't. He escaped the bad thing. Yeah. However, there are other times where, you know, you're just sort of, somebody could be just minding their business. There was a, the other day in California, there was a, a woman and her child just sort of standing by a bench and a car careened off and ended up striking the kid and, and severely injuring the child. They were doing nothing that you would think that would have something bad happen, but yet something bad happened. God does not cause that, but God allows it because in the bigger scheme of things, there's something that's going to cause an effect somewhere that's going to somewhere down the line have a purpose have a reason and it's not because somebody did something necessarily bad it's not a punishment it's just 
It's how it is. Everything is connected in ways we can't see. It's a Wonderful Life. The movie It's a Wonderful Life is a very good version of that, where you see if you just took one person out of that town, how things would have changed. And it would have done that with all kinds of people in that town. All kinds. It could have taken the guy who was the pharmacist out, and all kinds of things would have happened. You could have taken out just one person from any of those people that you see, and all kinds of differences would have happened because the effect that person's mere existence has on the whole. Who here knows about a musician named Keith Green? Keith Green. So he's kind of before, like a lot of, even the older people kind of before their time, I guess, because he, he passed on in 1981. But he is probably the greatest Christian writer, singer, composer of all time. If you go back and just listen to his catalog and what he did in his short little career, it's unbelievable. And I'm talking, he was actually supposed to be like the next teen heartthrob. When he was 11 years old, he got a job. He got a, they signed him to a deal with Decca Records and started releasing singles, trying to promote him and get him ready. He would have been the next huge thing, but for whatever reason, David uh, Cassidy, or no, um, the same time he was going to release his album, uh, Donny Osmond came out with his and just exploded. And there really was only room on the scene at the time for one teenage, 13-year-old, 14-year-old heartthrob type. And so he sort of got, he decided not to release his album and he was going to take a different approach. He wasn't going to just be a mirror image. But so this guy was incredibly talented. At 11 years of age, he already had written 24 songs that they recorded and were getting ready to make multiple albums. And these songs are great. If you go back and read these, you're going 11 years old. He's writing things that 20 and 30 year olds with a lifetime of experience don't usually write. And then he went off and did what musicians tend to do. He got into the world. He started doing drugs. And because of some really bad trips on LSD, he decided he was going to do, do away with the drugs and he was going to start trying to find spirituality. Well, he was born and raised Jewish and then also converted, I guess, to Christian science. And then eventually he decided, you know what? I'm going to try this Jesus thing on for a try. He tried it out. And between 1974 and 1981, he wrote and recorded like two, oh, well over 200 songs. And these songs are amazing. Everything he released was just... Now, we might today think it's dated because it sounds like it came from the 70s, late 70s or something. But these songs are amazing. And you can tell he had a heart for Christ because he's constantly... One of the reasons why he could not get a record deal after that was because they said, you mentioned Jesus far too much in your, in your recordings. Even in the Christian record companies told him they wouldn't give him a record deal because he mentioned Jesus far too often. Because they said, they, well, the one, even he was, gives a story, he said they told him, why can't you just say him? Why can't you say I'm following him? Why do you have to say I'm following Jesus? And he's like, because I want everybody to know who him is. And so Keith Green, one of the greatest musicians ever at 28 years of age, he had started another, just another, he, he started 
he, he signed a record deal. He didn't like the way the record company worked because they were charging money, these huge prices, all these things. He negotiated to pay his way out of his contract and then released two albums which were free mail order. You just send in a thing and it said, choose how much you want to pay. He sold 220,000 copies, 60,000 of them were for free. And we're talking, he actually lost money because it cost 70 cents to, to mail it to the people. So 60,000 of what he sent out, he lost money on. And then when he finally realized that, you know, maybe he does need a little money just to cover expenses, he decided to release a full album. It had two tapes in it, and it was half the cost of what a typical cassette would be. And he said the reason why was that way it just covered its own, and you could give the second tape to somebody else as a ministry. This guy had a heart for, for Christ. And he started a ministry called Last Days Ministry. It's just this amazing thing where he would let struggling musicians who were on drugs and stuff come into his house and recover while they were getting their life together and getting their act together. He did it completely for free, no money at all. They bought a plot of land. They're going to start building some buildings to do this with. They went, took him up on a flight so he could see the whole thing from the sky. Him, two of his four children, and a pastor that he was helping found a church crashed and all died that day. 28 years of age, taken in far too early. And it's a terrible, terrible thing, too, because his wife, who was six weeks pregnant at the time, was left at home. A terrible thing. Bad thing happened to who I personally would say was a good person, who was a very well-meaning person. But he was a person that struggled. He struggled with his faith because it, he struggled for it to be authentic. Because when you think a lot, when you have a lot of words that roll through your mind, you question, you doubt. And when you're very open with yourself, you're so aware of who you are and what you are that it doesn't make sense that somebody would pay the penalty for the sins and the things you've done. So sometimes the doubt is actually because you can't really believe somebody would care enough to do that for you. It's not that he, you don't necessarily believe that Christ lived and did it. It's hard to believe that he would do it for you. And oftentimes what we live in is a sense of trying to make the Bible, the gospel, real to us. It's kind of like this, we treat it kind of like it's this thing out there, and we all kind of just, yeah, we celebrate it, and it's just out there. But what we need to do is make it real to us yeah. so that we can live our lives in a state of seeing ourselves for what we are, but realizing that it's true and we want to drag just a few people to heaven with us when we go. Yeah. Yeah. Rich Mullins was the same way. He was a musician who, maybe not as good of a lyricist as Keith Green, but one of the greatest composers. I mean, the guy was prolific. He practically is the reason why people like Amy Grant got famous. He wrote all of their first number one hits and stuff. And, you know, Awesome God, and If I Stand, and sometimes... Just amazing songs. Again, well, he did the same thing where he basically decided he didn't want money anymore. So he set up a trust and he went and lived on an Indian reservation off whatever the minimum he could live off was and set up a trust that all the money from his cells would go to 
this fund that would then go to, to pay for like healthcare and college and stuff for underprivileged children. And sure enough, in 1996, I believe it was, he went ahead and he went going to a concert, a benefit concert. There was an accident and he died. And again, people go, somebody doing such a great work has such a difficult experience. Now, he was even a little different than Keith Green because it wasn't so easy for him. Rich Mullins, he named his band the Ragamuffin Band because he talked about how difficult it was for him all the time. He had all kinds of doubts, all kinds. Of, he struggled with his language. He struggled with saying wrong things. He struggled with being angry and frustrated. He you know, would occasionally say something in concert that was maybe a little questionable. He really was struggling with his faith all the way through. But throughout the entire time, he continued to just put faith in the fact that even though he didn't understand it, there was still a reason for it. And honestly, through his struggle, some of the greatest songs were written. And the times when he, he wrote, like, uh, sometimes by step, or sometimes by, yeah. And if I stand in moments where he thought he was going to give up his religion, he thought he was just going to cast it away because he didn't, he didn't care anymore. He didn't want to know this. He didn't want to do this. And in that moment of brokenness, he wrote these songs that really touch on a deep, deep level because he was at that point. He was hurting. There was pain in his speech. And even though he didn't want to believe he believed anyway, against and in spite of himself. That's something that a lot of the people in this world struggle with. The reason why a lot of people are atheists is because they don't want to believe. And so they fight against it, even though everything inside of them is telling them, no, turn to God. And they're going, but I don't want to. I just don't want to. And that's the struggle that we fight. And it makes it even more apparent and it makes it even more difficult to deal with when bad things happen, because it gives you an excuse, not a reason. It gives you an excuse mm -hmm. for why not to follow, for why not to believe in God, for why to question, is there truly a good God? Interestingly enough, on a YouTube video, I saw a comment that this lady, Angie Rodriguez, said about Rich Mullins and Keith Green. And she said, Rich Mullins and Keith Green had so much in common, their love for Christ, their desire to see the lost one through the love of Jesus. They both understood just how much they needed saving grace that only the Savior could bring. They wrestled, they doubted, but they got up off the floor. They pressed on towards their calling. They fought, and they fought the good fight. They fought for faith. They both entered into their rest instantly and far too soon. I personally never met either of these precious men of the faith. However, I am encouraged every time I listen to either of their lyrics it encourages me to know that I can run fast and hard after Christ. And as I am running, maybe I can drag just a few people along with me. Yeah. You don't have to be doubt-free or have per some sort of perfect faith. It's really just about trying. It's the everyday struggle yeah. that, that speaks the most to people. So... Our thing today is, why do bad things happen? But remember, the title of the series is, 
You've got questions. God's got answers. Not me. I don't have any answers. God's got answers. So we're going to go to John 9, and we're going to read. And the first verse says, And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now we're going to stop there because at this time, and actually it persists to this day in certain forms of Christianity, there was a myth that said people who were born with a physical ailment, people that were born with a disability, something like that, they were born that way either because of a sin their parents did or a sin because God knows the future, a sin they would do in their life that God was punishing them in advance or punishing them for the sins of their, of their parents. Now this actually, believe it or not, you would think, well, were they, they actually got it from the Old Testament because there's several places in there and we're not going to flip to them, but like Exodus 20, verse 5, Exodus 32, 6 and 7, or 34, 6 and 7, Deuteronomy 5, 9. They all mention concepts and terms such as God saying, I am the God who judges. I am the God who judges, you know, idolatry, and I will heap uh, punishment onto the, the, the sinners, even unto the second and third generation. So actually, let's go to Deuteronomy 5 real quick, just because I want to. I want to see it in God's words and not my messed up words. <laughs> Deuteronomy 5.9. Well, we'll start in 8 because if you notice, this is actually, he's retelling re re the Ten Commandments. And in 8 it says, Thou shalt, thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath and that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me and showing mercy upon Oh, mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Okay, so when you read something like that, you say, well, it says on to the third and fourth generation. You have to remember what's going on here. He's telling the people, giving them commandments on how to live their life. And we see, we can see, because we have the, the benefit of hindsight, God did exactly what he's saying. These people, when they sinned, when they started making graven images, they started doing child sacrifice, all these horrible things, he used the instrument of, of Assyria, of the Babylonians, to, to punish the Israelites, to punish the Jewish people, and to kick them out of their lands. Now, if you think about that, though, the father, he's not punishing the kids for what the fathers did. Think about it. The fathers start doing things where they hate God, they're blaspheming God. So God says, okay, now you're going to go into exile. You're going to go into Babylon. Well, it took some, it took a hundred years for Babylon to finally really take over and, and take the Jews all away. Well, once that happened, the older people were already older. 
The children were taken into captivity also. And they were there for 70 years. So guess what? The children had children in captivity. And they had children in captivity. And about the fourth generation, they came out of captivity. Well, the ones who were born in captivity were not born in there for anything they did. But the sins of the parents caused an effect on themselves. God didn't do that to them. It was because of what they did that caused them to have a problem that the children have to deal with now from then on. If you think about it in today's thing, if somebody all of a sudden was a serial killer, your children would have to live with the burden of that after your death. That's not God punishing your children. That's something you did that solid your name that now your children are going to be dealing with the consequences. Why don't we see anybody who are relatives of Hitler? You know, we had them. Because they were being punished. Because they were people who had nothing. His, his, he had a, a nephew that he put in, into the internment camp himself. And lived in an internment camp for, for six years. When he got out, people would torture this man until he finally changed his name and all this stuff and was managed to live for like 40 years in some small Polish village somewhere under an assumed name, all because of something a relative of his did. And he was even against and was even put in jail for being against it. And yet the iniquity of Hitler is brought on his family as well. It's not this man's fault of what happened. But when you do something, you are not an island. You affect all of those around you. Amen. You affect Amen. everybody that you touch Amen. in some way. So it's not that God is punishing the children. God punished the parents for what they did. But if you really think about it, what the parents did, they brought it on themselves. They were making these packs with the grounding communities. They were making packs with Assyria and then going against them to go with the Egyptians and and eventually they got caught in their own mess. Yeah. And they did this to themselves. Yeah. And the children had to suffer the repercussions of it. But God did, not, God did not take and punish the children for it. It's just that sometimes the punishment that the father has or the mother has is severe enough that the children are saddled with that burden. Yeah. So when we look at this in John 9, we're going to see Jesus is going to give a really easy answer for why this happened. I'm going to start over again in the first verse. And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered them, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that set me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Why was this man born from his birth, born blind from his birth? For that moment. So that at that moment, those disciples would ask Jesus that question and he could show the goodness of God through that. Because the next part, if we're not going to go over the next part, God Jesus takes and spits in dirt, makes clay, puts on his eyes, and the guy can see. He tells him to go wash in the pool, and you'll be able to see, and he can see. And after this, God, Jesus' popularity just explodes. 
and it starts to go over the entire area. So why did the bad thing happen? It happened so that God could be shown through it. Yeah. It's not about what happens to you. It's about how you deal with what happened. Yeah. That's the testimony. That's what God is looking for. And that's the reason why bad things happen. They happen because we are fallen. We do things that we punish ourselves for. Amen. We do things that hurt other people. Amen. The reason why there are people starving in the United States of America, and yet they throw out 15,000 tons of food a week from some of these, these uh, cruise liners, is because we as people are selfish enough not to make sure that everybody is fed, which is one of the commandments God tells people. Feed the people. Feed them if they can't, don't have it. If they're your enemy, feed them. Yeah, if by feeding them they will curse you, feed them. Yeah. It's what we're doing that causes the problem. The fact that we do the wrong thing is the proof, all the proof we need to know we're not God. That we need something more powerful than yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Because when left up to us, we will, we will ruin everything. It's only through God's power. So when you lay down yourself to God and you let him work, it's only through the affliction that the light can be seen. That's all it is. So why do bad things happen? So that God has a place to work. Yeah. Amen. So that God can be seen through the affliction and through how you handle it. Which is why how you respond to controversy is more important than the controversy itself because that's what people are really seeing and that's what people are really watching and looking at. How you respond, that's the important. So the answer to the question that Christ himself gives us, why do bad things happen? So that the works of God can be shown through you. Let's bow our today for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this day. Thank you for all the people that have gathered for the music, for the celebration, being in your house, being here all in one accord to learn more, to, to bring ourselves under your leadership so that you will guide us into a better way. May you be with everyone, watch over everyone, and just help us all to continue to work and to strive against all odds that we will show your light. May you be with, be with everybody here. Bless them, keep them, and watch them. And all these things I ask in your blessed and holy name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.